Kicks We Trust. In Kicks We Trust. In Kicks We Trust. In Kicks We Trust. In Kicks We Trust. Episode 71 of the In Kicks We Trust podcast. I am here with four-fifths of the In Kicks We Trust team. Kev, how's it going? What is going on, everyone? Juan, how's it going? What's up, guys? I'm looking for Kyle. He does, we don't know where he is, so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Rich, do you know where Kyle is? I'm just smoking to Jay. What's good? <laughs> <laughs> he smoked himself to sleep. Smoked himself to sleep. Call <laughs> <laughs> in. <laughs> So we do have a guest this week. We're joined by Sean, uh, a.k.a. Uncle Sean Sneakers on Instagram. So it's Air Max month, so we, we figured we'd bring him on to talk a little bit of Air Max. So, Sean, welcome. Thank you for having me, guys. It's a pleasure uh, to have me on. Welcome, yeah, welcome. We appreciate you jumping Thanks, on man. with us. Yeah, big Air Max collector in the city, so we definitely wanted to bring you on this month. We loved your yeah, episode on uh, on Sneaker Dads when, you, when John had you on. Oh, yeah. I probably maybe have divulged a little bit too much there. So I'm going to try to stay on track here, but uh, uh, I didn't want to throw anyone under the bus per se, but uh, I did kind of veer off uh, far left and then kind of went back on track. But no, no, you got to go just as off, yo, go yo, just this, as off track here. This is a safe right, cool. place. Yeah. This is a safe, safe place. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> safe space. You can right, go cool, far cool. as left as you want. Yeah. All right, awesome. <laughs> awesome. Yes, but welcome. Uh, so let's start this off like we always do with our wares and pickups. So Sean, we're going to have you start it off. Sure. Yeah. So my wares, I mean, given the pandemic, I uh, bought a pair of shoes. There were span twos from winners. My pickups lately um, haven't been anything I want to say hyped or I don't want to say sought after on anyone's sort of radar. And I want to say I have that I'm wearing. I have Air Max ones that I'm wearing. I'm not venturing too much for uh, away from home except from going to the gym i got some beaters i wear to the gym pickup wise i have and i'm going to probably get into this but uh, i've slightly like shifted gears uh and been buying a lot of older stock one because of quality two because of rarity and three because it's not as marked up and it's off a lot of people's radars so a lot of my old stock, I bought a pair, literally just now, of uh, boots. Uh, they are the, they're from 1989, so they're 33 years old. They're mm. Nike Lahar Escape 3s, uh, and I'll post them on IG when I get them, but I got a pair of, like, 95 Pegasus, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, dope. Um, yeah, I've, so I've I mean, seen those. I've seen that video you posted for those. Yeah, dope. so I've been buying a lot of older, like, kind of stocks that I kind of, like, grew up with as opposed to a lot of the newer stuff. Uh, not to say that I don't appreciate the newer stuff. It's just maybe it's my age at this time where I'm more, it's more of a nostalgic factor. And I think I get a lot more of that nostalgic sort of appreciation when I buy those older shoes. So yeah, man, that's, that's, that's like me with the J's, man. That's like me yeah. with the retros. I'm always screaming that just, I gravitate more to the older stuff qualities there. Like you said, price-wise, it's not super expensive. Some of them need some rest though. But for me, I think, my draws the nostalgia as well as the quality and you don't got to sure. jump to you know what i mean to get it where these new releases you got to do backflips somersaults you know yeah, exactly. hills, all types of shit just to get them so i don't got the time no, for that. 
Raffle yeah, entry is like a full time job, man. Yeah, I you. know, man. <laughs> and I mean, I remember I was in Regent Park. It was, I don't know, three in the morning. I bought a pair of masters off someone off Kijiji because they got it on like release day. And so I went to Haven when they're in uh, Regent. Yeah, and, Parliament uh, and something. Yeah, yeah. Parliament so, and Queen, uh, yeah. Yeah, across the street from Moss Park. So yeah. when I was there, it was me and a homeless person, but I never knew the homeless, <laughs> someone paid that homeless person to stay yeah. there. So anyways, he's sleeping on the concrete, like grate or whatever the case is. And I brought my lawn chair and I'm the only person there. It's snowing, it's raining. And I realized that someone paid this guy to stay there. So anyways, long story short, I'm waiting to get another pair of masters and an influx of people throughout the night came. Basically, there was a bunch of lawn chairs that were unoccupied and people were claiming the spots. The line gets bum rushed. I take an L. I was about to take the security gate and throw it through the window. I was, I was, <laughs> yeah. oh, yeah, for um, sure. I mean, if you were the first person there too, right? And then all of a sudden, I was the second person there, but I mean, yeah. <laughs> the first but person even, was the homeless guy? <laughs> yeah, apparently. Yeah. So, so the thing was, is that when that homeless person walked in, he walked out and the, as the line was getting bum rushed, I was getting pushed further away. So when that guy came out, I told him, I was like, yo, man, go down the street because some guy drove up right after with his girlfriend in Alexis and was going to pay the guy. And I, I start yelling and I'm like, yo, run down the street with the shoes. The value of the shoe is worth a lot more than what that guy's paying you. And the guy's like, no, I want to be honest. I'm like, I work with homeless people. I volunteer a lot at the Young Street Mission, which is supporting Moss Park. Yeah. And I told him, I was like, yo, man, listen, you know this neighborhood better than anyone. That guy's not going to fight you for that shoe. One, because he's going to lose. And two, you can flip that shoe for seven times the price of what that guy's giving you. Right. 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 And the guy was like, no, I want to be honest. And I was like, you're the first honest, yeah. like homeless person I knew, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's like yeah. an addict. You know what I mean? I was like, wow, yeah. you got morals. Anyways. Yeah. It was a kind of a, uh, a crazy story uh, when I got, when I was trying to get the second pair of masters, but I met a lot of other individuals that day, uh, built connections. And even though I did take an L and even though I really, I already had a pair at home, it was one of those things where I think the community in me building connections uh, throughout that night was kind of a consolation prize, if you will. So like a lot of the people that also didn't score a pair of shoes and obviously didn't get bum rushed uh, or also got bum rushed, I should say, we were able to sort of bond in a way where we shared stories about like shoes and collecting and, and things of that nature. And I think that may slightly be a different story, even though the masters was a, like a couple of years ago, I think that part of the culture is kind of slightly getting dissolved in this yeah. whole sort of popularity of the culture. Absolutely. I agree. I mean, I remember, I remember the camp out days and because I lived downtown, it was easy yeah. for me to sort of like, you know, go to Haven. I, I literally lived at Queen and Pape. So Haven was, was super close to me. So, yeah. um, you know, I like going to those stores or even like in Foot Locker, like HOH or a uh, Foot Locker, like those camp outs or like mm-hmm. livestock or whatever. It was easy for me to do that. And it was the people that you met at those lineups that I missed about, you know, going to those things, even though you knew there was only going to be like a size run or two and right. there was like 50 to hundred people there, not everyone's getting a pair, but you kind of just went there for, you know, the hangout almost. Right. Yeah. It's kind of like going to a barbershop, right? So you go yeah, to the barbershop, yeah. you know that your barber is not going to cut your hair in like 10 minutes. You're going to be there for a good 45 minutes. You know what right. I mean? And like, Within that 45 minute time frame, 
you're sitting there with like-minded individuals that are waiting to get their hair cut or you have a passion, right? And that passion that we share all together is what brought us here today, right? So, mm -hmm. I mean, we all share the same passion and I think it's that passion is what differentiates actual collectors as opposed to sneakerheads. So I was telling, and Kev, we were talking about this earlier, that I used to think that being called a sneakerhead was a term of endearment. And it was at one point, right? Because mm -hmm. back then it was a very niche sort of underground term. Not everyone knew what exactly what it was. But if anyone's going to ask me what I do or what I collect or, or what my deep, uh, deepest passions are, I would like to say that I'm a collector more so than a sneakerhead because I think the term is watered down to the point where, again, like we were talking, like fame, popularity, money. Mm. I mean, it's one thing to amass or buy out someone's entire collection. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and say that you've been in it for X amount of time, but you can kind of check that dude and be like, yo, but like, tell me a story. How did you acquire this? How did you yeah. acquire that? Right. And if you don't have things like that to back you up, then people are going to call you out, right? And I mean, like I said, like today's generation is a bit more soft and people will say, okay, you know what? Like a lot of, and I collect a lot of vintage gear and a lot of vintage, a lot of stuff. So, I mean, are you going to take advice from rest in peace, Rob Ford, but would you take advice, addiction, drug addiction advice from Rob Ford, or would you take it from an actual, for me to kind of give someone false advice or, or wherever the case is, I would want to hear it. And I would trust someone that knows a lot more about the game than someone that's simply buying it to make a profit. Do you know yeah. what I mean? There's very different people in the game now, uh, mm -hmm. even the resale game. I remember the resale game. Like I was telling you, when uh, we used to go to Detroit, we bought, I, I want to say uh, 28 to 30 pairs of Grape Jordan 5 retro in 07. And I brought, I filmed a documentary in, in school. And this is in and around the same time that Just for Kicks came out. So around mm -hmm. 06, 07. And Rich, I sent you that sort of storyline in my uh, IG. But long story short was York basically shorted me a credit, one credit before convocation. And so I got retroactively enrolled into this thesis course. And I had maybe a, a month and a half, two months to kind of document, cut, and present this as my final project. And my buddy and my homie Jamal was the one who edited my entire thing. Shout out to Jamal, uh, Miles. And I documented everything when we would go over to Detroit. And then we basically went to Detroit, went to 8 Mile. We used to go to this uh, mall in uh, Southfield called Northland in Detroit. And we basically started to pick up. And we had a homie, and we, he's still in Detroit. And he used to run the, the foot action there. And we basically bought... Detroit, a lot of Detroit stock for those grade fives and then brought it back. And we had so many pairs of shoes crossing the border. We had them on our lap because the trunk couldn't, the trunk couldn't close yeah. anymore. And the people at the customs, they brought out the dolly and they were like, they're like, okay, you're going to have to pay taxes on every single one of these. And we're like, yeah, we don't have a problem. We were making three times the profit. Right. But I mean, yeah, yeah. there's a difference between three times the profit in comparison to like 10 times. Yeah. Right? I mean, like, yeah. yeah. It's all relative. So I was doing, we were reselling at a fair price, not at an inflated sort of rate when these kids were in diapers, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, oh, yeah, so absolutely. I think kids right now are, are kind of taking advantage of, of things and uh, they're pseudo sort of collectors, if you will, or pseudo sort of 
sneakerhead. So that's the reason why I don't like being called the sneakerhead. I think now it kind of it kind of got watered down to the point where it kind of lost a lot of its validity. No, you're right. And, you know, I, I hate using that term too. Like whenever I can, I'll use, you know, either collector or enthusiast or, you know, something like that where it's not really sneakerhead because like we were talking about earlier, it's very like uh, mainstream now. Like that term is kind of thrown around. Isn't there like a TV show now called Sneakerheads or something? Yep. I don't know. Yeah. Um, anyways, yeah. like it's just it's just used by everyone and and even like you know my coworkers or people that you know know me outside of like the the sneaker world. You know they're like, oh, Kevin's a sneakerhead. And whenever they say that, I'm just kind of like, oh, I, like I kind of cringe a little bit because it's very like like you said, it's very watered down and and it's like my mom would call me a sneakerhead or something. Like it's just people that don't know anything about sneakers use that term. Um, right. And and it's like. You know, kind of like how hype beast people use hype beast now, and it's like before, if you were called a hype beast, you know, it was an insult. Now it's like people right. like it when they call when they they're called a hype beast. So it's kind of weird how things have changed, right? But uh, you definitely have like a lot of stories which I, I love. And let's talk a bit about you know when you're growing up because you know you definitely have a lot of knowledge. You grew up around um, you know just different types of groups of people and things like that. So tell us where exactly like your love for sneakers started. Like where did your sneakers yeah, begin? For sure. So I mean, growing up in Scarborough, like I didn't necessarily recognize, I don't want to say fashion per se, but whatever my parents or whatever was handed down to me was basically what I wore. It wasn't until my parents moved us to a very how do I put it? Uh, predominantly white neighborhood where I was that minority, it was me and Jermaine, uh, me, Jermaine, and my friend Shazzy. And my neighbor, when we moved there, like I said, we came from a townhouse complex to an actual house that wasn't attached to anything else, right? So I didn't have anything really, we didn't have a bed, or we may have only had a mattress, I forget. It was kind of almost like when Will Smith first walked into like the Bel Air, and it was a mansion to me, right? So I'm little, I'm like, holy, this is, this is, fucking crazy anyways my cross neighbor was um filipino uh, brothers uh one was named alvin and the other one was named uh, patrick and patrick was the younger one and they would always run ball and because they were filipino my background's indonesian but we're basically cut from the same cloth i would just go across the street and alvin and patrick would be playing basketball so i would just sit on the sideline and watch them play basketball but not only that I remember specifically a couple of things. One, Dakar Noir and Calvin Klein Eternity Cologne was a thing back then. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Jupe, okay. uh, Jupe, shout out to Jupe, um, okay. was definitely a thing back then. But um, not only that, Alvin, he was in high school. I was literally in grade three. So I admired Alvin. I right. tried to emulate everything. And so same with me and my brother, because I have an older brother. But Alvin had fire red jordan fives and patrick had 89 flights well then back then it was just called oh, flights but okay. yeah, yeah. yeah so um but they always had the flyest gear alvin had like the cement jordan uh matching track suit uh, right, to go right. along with and like like the guy was just the filipino version of ll cool j without the truth you know what <laughs> yeah, i mean like yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, a, that's yeah. exactly who he was you know what i mean yeah he had all the girls and like he would run ball on his driveway and I would just be here like just watching him as a kid. And I was like, yo, like, but I remember those Jordan fives and back then, and even to this day, I don't know how many listeners you have and I don't know who tunes in and I hope some people don't tune in, but I've never owned 
a pair of J's. And the first time I actually owned a pair of J's, I had to boost them. So Alvin's parents were a bit more like well-to-do than mine in the sense of them being a bit more established uh, immigrants. But my parents couldn't afford Jordans, right? I, I couldn't afford... Jordans. I couldn't even afford anything that was name brand to be entirely honest. Right. I right, mean, like my right. parents were taking me to Bargain Herald's to buy way to, to things like that. Right. So, yeah. Honest and things like that. Right. And yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. it was one of those things where if I can ever own something that just says Nike, I would fit in with this crowd that I racially didn't technically fit in with. Right. So right, right. Um, anything sort of name brand, I would kind of fit in. So uh, my first pair of Nikes, I want to say, was kind of passed down from, I think, my brother who bought infrareds. The 90s? I remember. Yeah. So the 90s. Yeah. So my mom back in the day, she still says this, love her dearly. She's 77. She says it still shows up on her visa bill. But anyways, long story <laughs> short is that she uh, she made the journey from right. uh, McCowan and Seven, sorry, McCowan and Finch. So Sandhurst is where I grew up. Yeah. And then my parents moved us to Markham, but she went to national sports at Keelan Seven. I don't know if it's still there or not. She went all the way there and took like four buses to get there and things like that to get the 90s, uh, the infrareds. And that was the first time I ever seen a fancy pair of shoes. Right. Like shoes that were worth more than $25. Right. Yeah. Right? Yeah, so, yeah. 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 And my brother, like he beat them up. He wore them. He did exactly what he was supposed to do with shoes and he wore them. And so I remember that was, I want to say one of my first pairs was a hand-me-down. And then my parents took me to Buffalo once. Uh, we went to military trail or uh, uh, I think it was like maybe Walden, something like that, maybe to a Dick sports or something like that. But mm-hmm. um, my parents got me a, David Robinson, I think David Robinson had a pair of Delta Force. Delta Force, two, yeah. threes. And I was like, I was like, mom, yeah, these are the ones, these are the ones I want. Like, she's like, okay, but if you wear them, like you need to fucking wear these until your fucking toe like pops out of the front. And like, yeah. it was one of those things where I love them so much that maybe I have foot issues now. I don't know. Like, but I mean, like I try to wear them as much as possible and I adore those shoes. I wore everything from that to Brooks, Hydro Flows, to Adidas. To, Hydro Flow, that's, that goes yeah. back. Brooks, that was a Brooks pair. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, I had a pair of uh, Blacktop Reeboks. And I mean, like I kind of dibble dabbled in a, a lot of different brands, but I became a lot, I became very brand loyal to Nike later on in my teenage years and sorry if i'm getting off the topic but that no, no, no. okay no, so so basically my final year in high school one of my friends michelle white she worked at athletes world at markville mall and uh, i guess I, I think we're smoking a joint or some shit and she was like oh yeah like my place is hiring and i was like oh, well i've never had a job before aside from selling drugs and like whatever and i was like okay mm-hmm. like maybe I should get a job, right? Like to build my resume or whatever they called it. Um, So uh, (laughs) Markville wasn't hiring. And so that manager passed and that manager, uh, big ups to Harire. Harire is now working in Beaverton as uh, the Jordan brand. He runs the Jordan brand or or to some degree, but Harire passed my resume over to some of the managers in Fairview. So I got my interview at Fairview. 
And back then, and that was like 99. And back then, I haven't seen someone buy a 200 and I think, how much were the Garnets? The Garnets were the most expensive shoe back then. Like, I think they were like Ooh. 250. It was something like, it was expensive. It was more than Jordan's, right? So I, that I do remember. The but one I've never seen. Yeah. The ones with so like the it, gradient blue and white. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, the one where, uh, I think it was like the KG2s or KG, it was the one with the zipper on it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? You're talking about the, um, uh, not the flight posits. The yeah, they were twos. The flight posit twos. I, I think he wore those. That's the one with the zipper. Yeah, I think those were, the, and it has a circle on the side. Yeah, those are the flight yeah, posit. Yeah, flight posit twos. And those were. I don't know how much they were in the states, but over here, I think they retailed at like two thirty, and then taxes in. We're looking at like whatever two fifty, and I've never seen someone literally walk into a store, drop two hundred fifty dollars on a pair of shoes. I was like, I've never been in sales before. I got the knack, and I slowly built up a, a clientele and to the point where I was supplying a lot of collectors and, and I've never been exposed to that. And that kind of opened my eyes and opened the doors with regards to the collecting world and things of that nature. I was brought yeah. up collecting baseball cards. So I grew up going to like legend of the game and like uh, collecting baseball cards at that store at uh, King and Peter or where we're, that Tim Horns is now. But I remember one time I was interviewed uh, by Fox news and they asked me how I started to get into it. And I told them that collecting baseball cards is what kind of transcended me into kind of collecting everything else. And my dad was an avid movie collector, collecting VHS tapes, books. He was an avid reader. So collecting is kind of in my, I want to say, DNA. But when I started to work at Nike and I started to obviously building a clientele, you're also building a rapport and you understand the values of and the history of why they're collecting and, and what you're looking for. And that kind of rubbed off on me, right? And I, I built a lot of connections, not only consumer-wise, but also with internal employees. Like some of my friends I still talk to and I'm still best friends with them. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I love them dearly, right? So like big ups, Omari, Dalton, Big Mike, Big Rob, Winston. I mean, the list can go on. And obviously yeah. we were talking about, uh, who was that? Uh, Brad, Brad Chin, right? Yeah, so uh, yeah. so. I know, and, and you know what, like you talked about Athletes World and, and I remember because I was in high school, Brad was in my high school and shout outs to Brad. He would be this guy in high school who'd be like, Kev, I know you like sneakers, man. I work at Athletes World. I give you a discount. Just tell me what sneakers you want. Or he would he would tell me like, hey, listen, these Jordans are coming out. Would you like these? And he would tell me about the pairs. And I would just go to Fairview after school, look at the shoes. Yeah, yeah I want these. And he'll get them for me kind of thing. And I remember we kind of had this chat you know, in the DMs or whatever. And you were saying, oh yeah, I know Brad. And I was like, oh yeah, this is crazy. Like just in terms of the the sneaker retail, how it uh, kind of built my collection in terms of having a lot of pairs that maybe not a lot of people would have just yeah. because I had that connection. But then you as well, like you working at Athletes World, just being, you know, around shoes all the time, you know, and then also talking to collectors, like you mentioned, uh, you were selling full size runs to people or and stuff like yeah. that, right? Yeah, so it was crazy because when you go to the Nike store in Eaton Center or Yorkdale, those aren't necessarily uh, like flagship or Nike per se, right? They bought the licensing rights to kind of use that symbol, but it's, I forget the name of the, the company that actually owns like, uh, it's a parent company, I forget. Uh, but anyways, much like that, I used to work for a thing called uh, Nike Shop. So Nike Shop was kind of a, 
subsidiary of Bata. Big ups, Mr. Bata, uh, but Bata Shoes and uh, Athletes World was part of that subsidiary. So it was a branch off of that and it was exclusively just Nike. They got the licensing uh, to just sell exclusive Nike product. And I remember a lot of my friends uh, would come in and they would come in with these Japanese magazines, these sneaker magazines, and they would ask for, and the thing is, is this, Asians have that eye where these, a lot of my friends that would come in that were Asian, they would come in with these Japanese magazines and they would point out like air riffs. Uh, they would want wovens. Okay. They would want yeah. things that weren't necessarily readily available in the North American market, right? Because mm -hmm. that kind of stuff doesn't sell here, let alone in Canada. But they would ask me like, are you getting these? Are you getting these? And I'm like, no, we were getting more Jordans. We're getting more. I remember when Vince Carter first came out, and uh, the BB Forest first came out. I was literally selling skids. If there was 30 pairs in a, in a size run, I was selling 29 of them. And I was shipping it back to Hong Kong. And they yeah. were selling it for five times the price, wow. right, in Hong Kong. So, like, I mean, different markets are kind of segmented in that way. So I built a, a rapport with these individuals who later became my really good friends. And uh, they were also part of my documentary that I, I filmed because that documentary that I filmed was basically sneaker culture in Toronto back in 06, 07, and how it was an underground market back then. And it was kind of overshadowed by the, the States. But I mean, that documentary ended up getting picked up by, it was a funny story and I'm kind of veering off the track, but that documentary that I filmed was actually the cameraman on my shoot and all I wanted to do was graduate. I wanted my credit. I had right, teaching right. opportunities in Korea. I just wanted to graduate, right? And so, so my buddy, who's the cameraman of my uh, documentary, big ups to Jay Fata, basically was watching like a Phoenix game uh, with a bunch of people at his niece's christening or something like that. And this is when Tom Hanks had a movie called, not The Devil's Advocate, Da Vinci's Code. And the movie was like a six hour movie. I was in fucking Morningside. Yeah, it was a, it was a long ass movie. And my phone kept on ringing. My phone yeah. kept on ringing and ringing and ringing. I, I leave the theater. And then, so I call my friend Jay and I thought something happened. And my buddy Jay's like, yo, come by my house on your way home. And I was like, why, what happened? He's like, yo, you just have to come over. So I go over to his house. I think it's like 2.30 in the morning. And he tells me this story where he's showing these random people at his niece's christening random photos of me doing my interviews with Dalton that I used to work with, my friend Omari that I used to work with, a lot of my friends that were collectors so uh, that I used to sell shoes to. He ends up showing these random guys at a christening party while watching a game in halftime, I guess, showing them these still photos. And one of the guys happens to be this guy named Eric Ages. And back then, Eric Ages was the president and CEO of Nike Canada. And so he gives my buddy Jay wow. his business card and he's like, tell your friend to call me. I want to mm -hmm. talk to him. I want to see this. And so when I went at 2.30 to Jay's house, Jay gave me the business card. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? I was scared, but I was also excited. I was scared because some of the footage I used, I didn't have permission to use it. So I had like Bo Jackson, Air Jordan Chronic commercials that Nike did. Oh, um, I and I, I basically ripped it, right? Yeah, and yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I was scared with regards to that, but uh, under the educational law, like apparently I was okay, but that led to like uh, a screening. So mm -hmm. anyways, I show this 
sort of documentary. And this is just a rush documentary. I wish I could do it over again. I may still do it. I don't know. Because I have a lot of rare footage. And I never, I never thought of it that way, but I do. But the president of Nike Canada, it wasn't only him. It was like a guy named Mike Arsenal. Um, uh, like people that were part of the uh, like directors of like advertising, uh, creative directors, marketing, this, that, the other. It was a board meeting. And here I am. Everyone's putting their kind of uh, calling card or their fucking business card on the fucking table. And here I am ripping up a corner of my piece of paper, writing my York email address. I'm like, you can yeah. contact me at right, right. Sean at York.com or whatever. Yeah. Right? So I was very novice and amateur with regards to like board meetings, but yeah. we did a screening and that president. So Nate, uh, sorry, Eric looks to his uh, colleagues and says, why are these kids driving six hours to Detroit waiting five hours in the pouring rain and snow to buy shoes? And everyone, because back then, Nike Canada, and it's still probably like this, is very conservative, right? I mean, I want to say more conservative than the bank. And I came from a finance background, like a fintech background. And so these guys weren't able to give them an answer. Two weeks later, Mike emails me. He's like, we want to use your documentary in our sales marketing campaign or something. Or I don't know, they had a meeting or something like that because they never understood why these stupid Canadian kids were driving six hours or even going to New York or going to Detroit or going to Buffalo to buy shoes and then coming back. Yeah. Right. 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 And I basically had to educate them and let them know, like, look, listen, like the market's so segmented in North America, but not only North America, the States is one thing. Canada is like the ugly stepbrother that never got any oh, yeah, like sure. <laughs> shine. You know what I mean? And we're getting nothing but shade over here. So, I mean, I think now, and I want to give a lot of respect to Harvey because my manager Harira ended up getting transferred to Fairview and Harira knows that Sean was the guy to bring our store numbers up because Sean knows those people that want to buy 29 pairs yeah. and ship it back to Hong Kong to sell for like five times the price. Right. How, so how like, did that even, how did that even work though? Like, I mean, I, the sneaker culture is different now and retail in, in sneakers is different now where, you know, it's like one per person or, you know, that type of thing. But people would literally come in and say, I want to buy every single pair that you have of this shoe. And you would just, like what 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 yeah. happens that situation? Like you just take the entire box of shoes and you know ring them so, all up. So I was a manager in training back then, but there was no cap with regards to how much commission you can necessarily make. I was banking so much, and I guess and these kind of people kind of moved on, and and so have I. But back then, was it one per person? Yeah, but if our store numbers were low in our district. And if you always, there was always this like weekly sheet that came out and it always said the top salesperson. And it, it was always me. It was either one or two, right? Because the more money our store is making, the more that my managers are making and the more money I'm making, right? So like whatever I have to do to make shit happen, if our numbers are low, they're like, Sean, do your thing. Okay, <laughs> cool. Right? Yeah, yeah, I was shipping yeah. shoes to this guy named Gorin. And Gorin, everyone thought he was part of the KGB. I don't know if he was, but maybe he was. I don't know. But I was shipping stuff when people were calling me on car phones in like in Russia and in Hong Kong. People were calling me on car phones. Sean, I'm going to have someone pick this up. I'm like, all right, cool. Bing, 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 bing. When uh, Vince Carter jumped over that French guy. Yeah. Shit. (laughs) Fucking hit the ceiling. Literally hit the ceiling. People were like, I want that shoe. I want that shoe. Back then, it was a very innovative sort of technology that Nike came up with. And it was one of those things where this is what I appreciate about Nike. When, and this is where I actually became brand loyal to Nike. Nike 
it's not necessarily a shoe company per se, right? They're kind of like Sony. They dibble dabble in everything, right? Sometimes they'll make everything from a fucking VCR to a fucking like microwave to something that is, it's going to mm-hmm. stick within electronics, but Nike's very vertically integrated like that as well. Um, mm. But they're a marketing machine, right? 100%. And a lot of their marketing was done by Kennedy and back in the 80s and 90s, it was done by something, something Kennedy. And it was long story short, they sold that experience, right? They brought that bar so high that Adidas, Reebok, British Knights, whoever you want to talk about, want to emulate what Nike is doing because Nike is pushing that envelope, right? And everyone has to follow suit to keep their head above water, right? So I appreciate Nike as a company, but Nike was always also, and I'm a hip hop head, is one of those companies that was able to convey how they got there. So they're a storyteller, right? So Nike is one of those companies that would tell you about who Bill Bowerman was, who Mm -hmm. Phil Knight was, Mm -hmm. right? And uh, who Tinker Hatfield was, right? And so in our product knowledge meetings, the PK meetings that we would have on a weekly basis, they would coach us and tell us, and they would ingrain this in our heads. Someone were to run a marathon and they were saying, okay, I'm running a 10K or a 20K. What do you suggest for me? I'm like, okay, do you pronate? Do Do you have, do you need our support? Are you flat footed? Like I would have to sort of diagnose and be like, okay, this is the best form fitting shoe for you. If you're doing anything more than this, I would suggest doing it across. So they taught us everything and anything under the sun with regards to not only their product, the history of their product, their lineage, and how that brand is going to support their customers, right? Back in Mm -hmm. the day, I know people that used to microwave their Jordans just so they can get like a a new pair of shoes, right? I know someone that... Yeah, I know some people that put shoes underneath the, the car and do burnouts on the car, you know what I mean? So, and be like, yo, returning my shoe, right? And so Nike was one of those companies that stood behind their comp- uh, stood behind the customers. I love Nike and I've always been brand loyal to Nike. I'm not one of those customers that kind of mix match my, my brands ever since then. But I think, and I say this with all due respect, I think Nike kind of lost that vision and mm-hmm. know who kind of stuck with them through thick and thin, right? Yeah. Like yeah, I've, been, yeah. I've been with them through a fucking pandemic. I've been with them through the Lehman brother downfall. Like I was with them like through thick and thin, like, I don't give a fuck. You know what I mean? Like if I'm, if I'm wearing Nike shoes, I'm going to be wearing Nike socks, but I'm very brand loyal to that. And I think that's where Nike may have slightly lost that sort of appreciation. At least that's how I feel as an older sort of individual, but. But I mean, you're right in terms of just like, the marketing side of things like they would be able to sell you on whatever they were selling right and and that's kind of like especially in the era that we grew up in it was all about marketing it didn't matter you know what that shoe was but the way that they presented that shoe to you you were buying it like it didn't matter what it was like you were literally buying it because they would have the commercials they would put in the magazines you would just see it everywhere and it, that swoosh like everything about nike it was just you needed to have it right and I think another thing too was just like, um, like you mentioned with the with the shocks, but just like the technology. So, you know, just talking a little bit about the history of stuff and this being Air Max month too, when you saw like the air bubble, like when that first came out and seeing the creation of Air Max, and I don't know what first time you saw the air bubble, maybe it was on that Jordan 5, but I know when I saw the Air Max, it was like, I was blown away. I was like, holy shit, yeah. this is fucking insane. Like, what is this, right? Yeah, it was it was crazy because growing up and I, I'm 41 turning 42, right? So growing mm-hmm. up, Jordan, 
if you weren't eating pro star cereal and right. admiring fucking like Wayne Gretzky, Bo Jackson, and Jordan, I mean, marketing, it's a fucking, not only is it a vessel, the tagline, I want to be like Mike. Mm-hmm. Everybody wanted to be like motherfucking yeah. Mike. Yeah. Mike was the man. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, all respect to uh, Will Chamberlain and every sort of OG before him, but Mike set the bar so high, just much like I don't want to put LeBron on the same level. And I, he's a great player, don't get me wrong, but Mike set the bar so high, it's so hard for anyone else to fill those shoes. Right. And so, I mean, when it came to the air bubble and going back to sort of Air Max month, when I first, and I'll tell you a funny story, when I first saw that Air Max, my friends that were, more well off than me they had the jordans uh the gas mask sixes and stuff like that and but a lot of my friends maybe money did grow on trees for them but it didn't grow on trees for me you know what i mean so Mm -hmm. a lot of them would actually remember i was telling you about like i would draw on my shoes yeah Um, yeah. a lot of my friends i got that from my friends but my friends would also stab like with their air bubble they would pop it yeah the air bubble yeah because they wanted to know if it was really air right like right but it would be like Yeah, yeah, right. And then when they would walk home in the rain, it would be like squish, squish, yeah, squish, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. So like, and even the same thing when Reebok pumps first came out and people would be sitting in the hallway because they it wasn't detention, but they were told they sit in the hallway and all you see kids like, pss, 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 <laughs> right? And so that's all you hear, right? Because it was one of those things. It wasn't a toy. It was a toy that's on your foot, and, yeah. but you would always fidget around with it, right? So like when these new innovations started to come out, and I remember, I remember, I remember this one guy. It was Nike's answer to the Reebok pumps. And it was the, was it with the air pressure or is yeah. that what they call it? And it came with a canister or something? Was yes. That, yeah, yes. yeah, 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 yeah. And I remember Shaq also had a canister also, but this Air Max pressure, this one kid, and it was like a rich. He oh, must, those were expensive the, shoes. Yeah, he had to have been rich. Back then it was like 300 bucks, right? And yeah. so like, I was like, holy shit, they were so sick. And this is back in the day when like track and field, a lot of kids would be running in like and doing long jump and like fucking 10 pound Ewings. You know what I mean? And this guy had fucking air pressures. Right. Yeah. And I was like, holy shit. I was like, that's fucking crazy. Like I've never, and I don't know what happened to him. Maybe he's a Harvard grad. I have no idea, but like he obviously moved on and it was the only time I've ever seen a Nike air release shoe. And then mm. I remember, I think a few years after that, uh, Shaq came in with his Shaq attacks and it also came with like a blue and yellow canister. Like, yeah, I can't was, remember. Was that, am I correct? Or Yeah, he did have one. With, I, I do believe you're correct with uh, with some sort of a canister thing where you can pump it. It wasn't just the, the standard Reebok pump with the, uh, the, on the tongue. There was something as well where you, you, you would have like a, like a, know, CO2 like a CO2 cartridge. cartridge. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Something like that. Yeah, for sure. No. Yeah. And, and, and you know what? And that's a good point because back then air was everything. Like when the yeah. air bubble came out, everyone wanted to do their variation of air. Right. And air max right. was obviously like the trendsetter for all of that. Right. Yeah, for sure. And that's the thing, like Nike always pushed that envelope. So like when air came out, you saw Brooks hydro flow come out where there was more yes. gel padding. Right. And so like, yes. Nike's going to set the tone of the conversation and everyone's going to chime in with their own sort of iteration of that. You know what I mean? Adidas had the torsion, right? So Adidas had the torsion. And so when Air Max came out, I know I'm not the only kid that convinced their parents, mom, dad, like I can run faster. Look look at me. (laughs) I can jump faster. I can jump higher. Right. So like 
as a kid, these were the things that you saw Michael Jordan do because he was jumping higher, right? And so when you see something on TV, you're easily convinced that that's going to be something. And obviously, you as a kid, your your mind is very palatable in that sort of way. But um, and being able to be shaped, but like everyone had that convincing sort of factor where you can run faster, right? And so when I started to actually get into actual Air Maxes, aside from what was passed down to me, I want to say maybe was like in my teenage years, right? And so I dibble dabbled in Fila also. Yeah, no, I mean, dibble dabbled in a lot of things. Uh, Hip hop culture is deep in my blood. And so a lot of what I saw in the Source magazine, because a lot of things weren't necessarily readily available here. So I had to buy it from either the black market on Young and Dundas when Young and Dundas wasn't developed. There were there was this place on Eglinton in Little Jamaica by Eglinton and Dufferin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there used to be a place there that would have Carl Kunai stuff that would have a lot of troop stuff and stuff like that. So, I mean, I owe a lot of my styling, a lot of my collective sort of appreciation to hip hop. It's what raised me and it's what kind of help shape who I am today. I mean, mm-hmm. even as a, an individual, right? So, Oh, for sure. Um, I, I think a lot of us are the same way too. Like, like what you were saying, we like to emulate what we see uh, either on TV or we see the magazine source magazines, you know, whatever it was. Um, but here in Canada, we weren't able to get a lot of that stuff, but you know, you did what you could with what you could get. Um, exactly. And then I, you know, I just remember, you know, seeing, you know, stuff like Air Max, especially when you saw any shoes with air bubbles, it didn't matter what it was, right? But Air Max were yeah. those pairs that, you know, you could get that were relatively affordable. Um, you did sort of have to say to your parents, like, you know, they, they would make me run faster. I remember saying stuff like that too. Um, yeah. But uh, like, what was the first Air Max that you ever got when you were, when you discovered Yeah, so that's a tough question because I want to say the first pair that I got was a hand-me-down for my brother. And those were like the infrareds. The right, yeah, um, okay. Yeah. But, okay, so let's just say then, like, what was the first pair that you ever got that was your own? Started my, right, yeah. so started my own collection. So I guess I started in 99 because I had an employee discount just like Brad Chin. Yeah. Um, and so, but back then, even, I wasn't necessarily, I never realized I was collecting until I amassed a, a bunch of employee shoes that were, sick you know what i mean and yeah i never knew those employees shoes were even worth anything i mean i kind of took it for granted but i want to say so you know what it is i want to say my first employee shoe was a uh, an air max tailwind so it's a tailwind and sneakers and stuff were released a anniversary pack a 30-year anniversary pack or a 20-year anniversary pack and i needed to get that shoe because that was one my first employee shoe and secondly it held sentimental value to me because that shoe, when we would have those product knowledge meetings with Nike, his name was Mike and Mike would pick up this shoe. And I don't know why he always used this shoe as an example, but he would always pick up this shoe and he would explain to us the technology behind the shoe. So it's not just the shoe, right? right? Just like a Ferrari is just not a Ferrari, right? It's mm-hmm. what's underneath the hood it's the man-made sort of stitching and things of that nature right so like he took the shoe as an example and he taught everyone in that product knowledge and a lot of that resonated with me with regards to what was nike's first name before it was nike right what is this waffle pattern tread why was it developed who developed it how it's still used today what does air technology mean and why is there 
different air units and what do those PSI, what does, why is there five PSI here in comparison to the 25 PSI here in comparison to anything else? So he taught us a wide range of information with regards to Nike. And this is what I appreciated about Nike because Nike stands behind their products so much that they have individuals that basically teach you Nike 101, right? What it is, who they are, how you're going to push their product and and build their brand, right? Because you're Mm -hmm. the face of that brand now, right? And so even though I worked for a subsidiary, um, I'm still the face of Nike, right? Because back then, no one would there. Hold on. I do apologize. There was a Nike store, Nike TO, rest in peace. That's where Omar came from, right? So like, yeah. And so... But aside from that, right, we were the face of Nike, right? So we had to represent Nike. Everything had to be up to Nike standards. And so uh, my first pair was definitely a, a pair of uh, Air Max Tailwinds or uh, uh, Nike Tailwinds. But Tailwind has a long lineage of building Nike to where they are, right? So yeah, um, no, for sure. I think with regards to Air Maxes and going back to hip hop, I remember one of my friends I grew up with. Uh, he became a famous DJ, um, and I think his uh, his name is DJ Junior Flow, and he has this group called Keys and Crates. And anyways, uh, back in the day, my brother was a DJ, and so was he. And on Greg's dad's turntable, he bought the UMC Blue Cheese record. And on that record, if you look, UMCs, uh, the two of them are wearing Hot Lime 90s. So if you were to pull up oh, the cover to the UMC package or to the UMC sort of record, you'll see the UMC, like the blue background, but they're walking Air Max 90 hotlines, right? right? That were exclusive to like Foot Locker. So it was things like that where I was like, yo, like that's sick. I like, and I owe a lot to hip hop and things like that. But yeah, I know my love for Nike Air Maxes and there's a difference between, and some people make fun of me, but I collect just like there's straight up Jordan collectors. I collect specifically nothing but Nike. And this is why I appreciate Faraz and big ups to um, Faraz, uh, Lace Keith. Yeah, and uh, because Faraz is one of those guys that he's not necessarily brand loyal to any necessary brand, Mm -hmm. but he knows knows way too much about everything. You know what I mean? And (laughs) that's just the fact, right? Yeah, Yeah. And so that's why I give him kudos and stuff like that. But um, I will also let you know that when it comes to like Air Maxes, I exclusively only collect Nike and I try to specialize only in Air Maxes. So I have everything from like Air Max 1s to 90s to like 180s to BWs. So like I try to stick within that sort of genre, if you will. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, we've so definitely I, seen your, we've, we've seen your collections on IG and like pictures and, and, you know, at that, at that show, shout outs to flipping laces and just kicking it because I know you brought a lot of your collection there. And I remember, you know, I, and I joked around with Faraz about this, like I was standing at your, your guys table for, you know, a good 45 minutes to an hour, just like, you know, soaking in all the knowledge that you guys were kicking. And, um, you know, just in terms of the, the, the air maxes that I saw, I was like, man, it's just a lot of stuff that I've never seen before. And, you know, like people would call them grails, right? And um, yeah. you know, like, what, what would you consider to be your grails in the pairs of, you know, your collection, let's say, like, are there some that, uh, you know, stand out to you as a grail? Yeah, that's a, it's a very loaded question because, <laughs> Kevin, how many kids do you have? I, have? I only have one kid. Okay, Rich, how many kids do you have? He's got four. 
Okay. So it's like asking Rich, choose your favorite kid. You yeah. may be able to, but the rest of your kids are going to be able to, the rest of your kids are going to be offended, right? So like, fair enough, like, fair enough. But here, if you, if you swing it this way though, right? I got four kids. My love for them is all the same, right? right. But I get along with some better than others. We just, we vibe, right? Like it's Definitely. more or less like, because you may be similar. So right, right. out of my four, there's two of them that, you know, we really click. And other right. two share like, common interests. Yeah, not right, so much, right. but my love for them is the same. So right, right. I was. But I definitely hear what you're saying. I definitely hear what yeah, you're saying. Yeah. So <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, and I, I totally get exactly where you're coming from too. It's it's hard yeah, to it, pick, especially from what you have. It is definitely hard. One because I don't, and I don't want to sound cocky, and this is not being conceited. I sometimes don't realize like what I actually have until I come across it. So like, if you were to ask me tomorrow or the week after, like my favorite sort of grail, I guess, would change. I guess, I didn't know you were going to ask me that. Uh, <laughs> Sean, if you, uh, yeah. if, you look at a, if you look at it like this, right? I'm going to give you an example. Like myself, for instance, I have a grill shoe, which is that black infrared Jordan 6. And it's right. a grill because of the nostalgia, right? There, there's a story tied to that shoe for me. Right. And I have tons of other stuff where it's like, they're highly regarded, but that 6 will always be it will supersede anything I have because of that story. Yeah, that tied to me with that shoe will always be at the top because of that nostalgia. So So I don't know if that helps um, you a little bit. Yeah, no, it slightly does only because I don't know if you guys know, I have a small foot. So I I run like a seven, seven and a half. My true to size is seven and a half, but I run up to eight, right? So, Mm -hmm. and eight starts here. So I buy a lot from overseas and I've built kind of a network overseas. So I have homies overseas that kind of hook me up, but I guess I wouldn't necessarily say it's a grail. It's a nice shoe. Okay. But there is a backstory and a very a significant one at that. So I actually brought it and I don't know if this answers your question or not. So I wore this shoe. Okay. This is the Air Max one. Uh, is that the size yeah. One? Yeah. So it's the size. Pack or, yeah. <laughs> I, I showed this off and I probably shared this story a million times, but it's a story that will never get old with me at least i'm a people guy right kind of have that gift of gab i can talk to anyone i can talk to you guys and kind of run off the rails and kind of talk for hours but i once bought a shoe on off uh, off ebay and i think it was a, a pair of hirachi and one of the guys i bought the shoes off of i asked him i was like okay cool like i've been looking for these but what else do you have like I was telling Kevin, I have this friend named Hung, and he had a store called Stolen Riches at Queen and Tecumseh. And when I would shop at Hung's store, I wouldn't shop in the front because of Hung's collection. And he had a lot. I don't know if it's because of his wife, not like out of sight, out of mind. So he kept a lot of his stock in his back stock room. So when I would shop at Hung's store, I would shop in the back stock room and be like, okay, I want this, that, and the other. (laughs) <laughs> so I'm always one of those people that says, okay, these Hirachis are nice, but what else do you have? And so long story short, I built this relationship with one of my friends who is one of my dear friends uh, that actually works for size. And I remember when that size pack released, uh, the Air Max ones were already sold out. I got a text message on my WhatsApp at like four in the morning and He's like, yo, like, I got you a pair. 
And he's like, yo, send me your details. And I'm like, I'm like, what the fuck? I'm like four in the morning. I'm like, I'm like, okay, okay, okay. Right. So I send them like everything, right. I I PayPal everything. I I send everything, but I didn't give them my postal code. So I didn't give them my like zip code or anything like that. Right. So the package got lost in the mail. Oh no. Yeah. So every day I go to my, um, I go to my uh, postman, uh, his name's Richard. And I'm like, yo, Richard, like, this is the situation. Like I, I, I gave him, uh, I didn't give him my postal code. Like what happens? Right. And, uh, Richard's like, Oh, Sean, don't worry. Uh, hopefully it's going to come to you. And they're like, he's like, Oh no, don't worry. You can get a hundred dollars for the insurance. I'm like, I don't want the fucking insurance. Yeah, yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? Like keep your fucking insurance. I want my fucking shoes. So I was chasing down like FedEx drivers, UPS people. Like I was chasing everyone down the street for my shoes. Anyways, long story, they, my, my neighbors think I'm fucked up. Anyway, yeah. long story short was uh, the shoes finally arrived. And the beauty about this is this. I bought off a collector. And does he work for size? Yeah, he does. Did he ask me to pay resale? No, he could have easily asked me to pay right. resale. Because yeah. at that time, the shoe was going for like almost a thousand bucks or like 800 bucks. And so I'm going to make a gangstar guru reference so there's like a code of the streets right so there's a code a certain code that us as collectors or us we have to abide by right so could he have easily charged me resale no did he give me i just have to pay shipping for it and it's things like that where someone that remembered me and remembered my size randomly text messages me at four in the morning when i'm all deflated about me taking an l whatever yeah and him messaging me and you know what? This guy's a solid guy. I've sold him shoes before. I know he's good for it. And he hooked me up. And I appreciate him for that. I appreciate him so much. I don't want to say I'm kind of, I always feel like I'm indebted to people like that. Yeah. But like you yeah. didn't have to do that for me. Oh, for sure. You know yeah. I mean? You yeah. didn't have to do that for me. So no, but I mean, um, stories like that definitely like add to a grail status to a shoe, right? It doesn't necessarily have to be like Rich said, a, a highly regarded or highly sought after, or sought, you know, super hyped shoe. But because like you said, somebody that you knew, knew that you wanted that shoe, looked out for you, remembered your size, texted you exactly. at four in the morning, put one aside for you. Like for me, that would never leave my collection. That would be a, a pair that I would wear to the ground and I would just keep, uh, you know, in a display case eventually too. Like that would be considered a grail for me. Right. Right. So another, so this is the funny thing. So, and it kind of leads into why I buy shoes online and stuff like that. So not only do I build a network, Jordans and ball shoes are the North American market. If it wasn't for PSG making that crossover to like whatever soccer and things of that nature with regards to the Jordan brand, maybe ball shoes wouldn't be as highly sought after in the UK and different parts of sort of outside of the Western hemisphere. But long story short, Air Maxes have always been one of those things where, mom, can I get a pair of Jordans? No, I can't afford them, Sean. You can get something else. Okay, maybe I'll get a pair of Air Maxes. I mean, I'm mm. going to have to settle for Air Maxes, right? They're highly like sought after. Consolidation. Like saying. Exactly, right? And you have to kind of consolidate. Price. And consolation prize, right. And so the thing is, is that when you have a, a deep passion, it doesn't matter if you have a deep passion for coin collecting, stamp collecting, card collecting, or shoes you share this appreciation and this affinity for a particular thing. And you're able to kind of share that and spit knowledge and share zoom meetings and, and group chats like this with like-minded individuals. And it's things like that, where 
I appreciate. And that's exactly what happened when I was in that master's lineup. And when I buy shoes, a lot of Americans would not ship to Canada. Um, mm -hmm. So I have, I have shipping addresses in, in the Netherlands. I have shipping addresses in the UK. I have shipping addresses in New York. And when I would, and I think Donald Trump, didn't, he didn't call me out, but there was an article once where Donald Trump was saying that a lot of Canadians were going over to the States buying a bunch of shit and wearing it in, over the border. And we all did that coming from Buffalo and shit like that, yeah. right? Back in the yeah, day. Yeah. But I would ship a bunch of shoes and props to my friend, uh, Brian Furlong. I grew up with him. He's kind of North Carolina transplanted to Toronto, transplanted to New York City. And so I would use uh, his mailing address in Hudson Yards and I would ship literally shitloads, shitloads of fucking shoes. <laughs> And I would come to New York with a big hockey bag. Okay. So here I am in North airport and it's funny because, uh, I'm a box guy. So I, I like to keep the boxes. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, I have, like I don't, rich. I don't, yeah. So I don't know how many pairs I had at this point, but imagine a, a fucking hockey bag. And I basically had to flatten all the shoe boxes at the bottom. Yeah. And so when they were running it through the scanner, the guy's like, hang on, hang on, hang on. And so the guy at North airport opens my fucking suit or opens my hockey bag and he goes, I don't know if it's a supervisor or somebody else, but he goes to the guy, um, I guess that's sitting at the scanner, like looking at the screen. Yeah. He's like, yo, look at these, look at these. Like, <laughs> and he's pulling out, he's pulling out all my stuff. Right. Because right. I had my, my carry on, but my carry on was just my clothes, yeah. but the shoes is what I was kind of, I wasn't checking it in. I was kind of, that was my, like what I was walking in with. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, the, he starts showing off my shoes, like to the people like in the lineup. And here I am like, cause I'm still wearing my socks. Right. Cause they ha had to take off my shoes. And uh, the guy goes, he starts showing off my shoes and he's like, yo, these are sick. And I was like, yeah, like I didn't want to pay duty on it. Right. And so, I mean, I have a lot of stories like that. One of my friends uh, always goes to the porn convention in Vegas. I'm not going to say his name because he's going to be embarrassed, but you know who you are. And it's someone that I used to work with. Anyways, anyways, long story short, uh, I was buying a pair of Nike uh, Flyknit racers. Uh, they were turquoise. They were called the Hulk. And uh, the guy wouldn't ship. And these were sought after. And these shoes, the guy wouldn't ship to Canada. So I sent the shoes to the Bellagio. Uh, there was a business center there. And so I had to, I had different ways of fucking mewling shoes. Yeah. Right, and right. Uh, <laughs> I give props to all my friends that mewled me shoes from fucking everything from fucking Germany to fucking like all over the place. And because I buy a lot online, I pay, I pay a lot for fucking duty. So mm -hmm. when you see me with a pair of shoes, they're not just like retail $250 shoes. I paid maybe a good 350, 400 bucks for right. shoes. Because I mean, of shipping like, duties, all that other stuff. Buying dinner duties. for your friends. <laughs> but like, yeah, whenever you see me with a pair of shoes, I'm not paying what normal people pay. Because one, the size that I wear, it's not readily available here, yeah. right? So I have to bite that bullet. But I'm one of those people that have such a deep passion for Air Maxes that I will go fucking Timbuktu and back to fucking get a pair of shoes. I remember, listen to this. This was fucking crazy. When the Air Max or when the Air 180s came out, the, who was it? Um, I don't know if it was sneakers and stuff. It was somebody, it was, no, oh fuck, it's going to come to me. Anyways, there was a Berlin pack and it was called, uh, there was a Berlin pack and the shoe was so sick. I wanted this shoe so bad 
I was looking into flights to Berlin one way or two ways uh, <laughs> to camp outside. Yeah. So I was thinking to myself, I was like, I'm getting this fucking shoe, like, like it or leave it. I'm going to fucking fly to Berlin. I'm going to buy the shoe. And I have friends that live in Berlin. And I was like, yo, look, listen, like, I need you to do this. But those are the people that call me a sneakerhead, right? Like, they don't understand how much I want it to the point where I'm like, I'm already about to book a flight. Right. And then one of my friends wow. talked me out of it. Yeah, they. I already had my, I was already, like, I was in the middle of the transaction. And someone talked me out of it. And that shoe, I scored it myself, believe it or not. And I don't win that much. Off. Oh, it was overkill. Yeah, overkill. Okay. And so long story short, one of my friends in France was also looking out for me, right? So I secured a pair and I said, thanks, man. Like, thanks for looking out for me, but I'm good. You know what I mean? Help somebody else. But that's the thing. It's about solidarity. It's about sure. like camaraderie, right? So Absolutely. I think being an older generation, we grew up respecting our elders, right? And kind of we have a, a little bit more thicker skin, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, in comparison to this newer generation, right? So if someone's going to call me a sneakerhead, I hope you're calling me sneakerhead because that's the only term you can kind of use to kind of explain, or maybe, I don't know if it's the cool thing, but like, I hope it's the only thing, or I hope it's a way that you're kind of simply trying to explain someone that has a deep passion about something, right? So, yeah, yeah. but yeah, it's a uh, sorry if I'm going way off topic. I, I don't no, know. No, the stories are awesome, anymore. man. <laughs> Okay. What's that? Yeah. No, the stories I are don't awesome. Even know where right. <laughs> I love love the stories, man. Yeah, like the Berlin, the Berlin shit. That's crazy. That's crazy. That's cra and, but you know what? I can relate, man, because yo, I probably do some shit like that. Like, you, there's there's things that cross my mind sometimes, and I'm like, yo, I'm bugging. Or like you said, someone will talk you out of it. Yo, yeah. if I didn't have wife and kids, trust me, I would probably do some out, out there shit in terms yeah. for sneakers. Well, just, just yeah. putting it out there. And so I don't, point. I don't even wrong you for that. I yeah. do some shit like that. No, because <laughs> like get in, get out. You know what I mean? Like, yo, I'm getting in, I'm getting the kicks, I'm getting the fuck out. You <laughs> see, you yeah. see people that uh, that will win a raffle, like you know, like maybe people in the states that will win an out of state raffle or something, and they'll literally go fly to go get that that sneaker and fly to pick it up. That's what I mean. Yeah, but yo, yeah. I would do some shit like that. Yeah. That's the crazy thing. I would do some shit like that. Or, like, I mean, it's not as it's not as crazy, but I know when when there's boutiques in Montreal that do raffles, I'm like, you know what? I, I'm just gonna enter anyways because if I win this, it's like what a seven hour six six hour drive or something, right? Like, not that bad. Do but, that. but you look at it like people who don't understand it, right? They yeah, be looking at you yeah. like you're fucking crazy. Yeah, you're gonna yeah, drive yeah. seven hours to go pick up a fucking. Chicken. And that's just one way. Yeah, right? yeah, just one way, and then you're gonna turn around right after and, that. and drive right back. But yeah. I'm happy as fuck when I'm driving back because I got that fucking shoe. Yeah. So that seven hours drive back is gonna be beautiful. I'm going to fucking so tuck it in the front seat with the seatbelt on and just look at it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I remember one time uh, my friend Dalton and big ups to Dalton. He used to work at uh, Greyhound with another old collector, big ups to Wayne. And I remember Dalton told me he was getting, uh, I'm not that great with Jordans, but uh, altitude 13s that were black and green. Do you know what I'm talking about? O yeah. 05 joints, probably O five. Yeah. Yeah, so Dalton took a Greyhound from Toronto to New York, waited outside of Nike Town, New York, got the shoe, got the altitude 13s, and then took a 10-hour Greyhound back and went to work. For shifts, yep. yeah, yeah. For an eight-hour shift. So, I mean, like, there's diehards like us, right? There's diehards like us. Like, if you see the picture of me getting those masters, 
for instance, uh, a lot of people probably thought I was pretty fucked up. I was, and I kind of want to say I kind of started this, but anyways, um, <laughs> I was wearing Huffquakes, so Air Max One Huffquakes, and nice. I went to Hasty Market. Here. Yeah, it was kind of raining outside and kind of slushy, so I went to Hasty Market and uh, I got some garbage. I got some like bags and I put them over my shoe. Yeah. And here I am in like a 1970s like beach chair recliner sitting beside a homeless person at four in the morning in Regent Park or Moss Park. And uh, people were like, what the fuck is this guy walking around with plastic bags on his shoes? And, and it ended up becoming like a thing where like people would have like invisible sort of protection. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. They sell, they sell these like sneaker bags now. Like, <laughs> Yeah. But I mean, like. If it doesn't say like fucking like IGA on it or like not IGA, <laughs> but I mean, if it doesn't say like whatever, like I was one of those guys that was like a diehard. I don't give a fuck. You know what yeah. I mean? Like I remember yeah. one time, I don't know if I should say this one, but like I remember one time Dalton called me and uh, he wanted me to go with him to get Pinnacle 11s. And uh, we were outside of uh, Livestock and Ronzi and me and Dalton were waiting. Uh, we were one of the first ones there. And there's always a the kind of bad apples that kind of bum rush the, the line. Long story short, I grew up not being phased by who you are, the color of your skin. I, I could care less. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Um, and so I think sometimes people will try to regulate, right? And I remember shit got live at that lineup. And Dalton much bigger than me, taller wise, at least was saying, yo, Sean, like, no, like, just forget about it. Let, let's just kind of like, if we're getting bum rush, we're getting bum rush, right? Like just kind of move back. But me, I guess, growing up the way that I grew up in Dalton, also grew up in Scarborough. I didn't want to stand down. Right. So I was like, fuck this, fuck that. Like whatever, like if shit gets live, shit gets live. You know what I mean? And shit was getting live, but it wasn't getting live with us. It was getting live with another group of individuals. Right. We ended up getting a, a pair of pinnacles. And I was using this money because I had to flip it and I was getting that money and I was buying, what was I buying? I was buying some, I, I forget what pair I was buying, but I was buying some sort of uh, cause Jordan's not my thing. Right. So yeah. Um, right, right. And, and no, no disrespect to Jordan, but it, it wasn't my thing. So I ended up flipping those pinnacle 11s to a guy that was size nine and I sold him a size eight and it was new year's or it was in and around new year's. I remember it was almost like winter time. And the guy was like, yo, like, do you think these are going to fit? I'm like, I'm like, yo, 800 bucks. Like, yeah, that's going to fit, man. Like, <laughs> like that's going to fit. Like, he's like, yo, like, I, I can't feel my foot. I'm like, yo, make it work. Make it work. You know what I mean? And like, <laughs> so I ended up selling a guy. I think he was like nine or nine and a half. It was something no. outrageous. And yeah, I was in the middle of a workout at the gym and I, I brought the shoes with me and the guy's like, yo, I'm down the street. And I'm like, okay. So I come out of the gym and I come out with these pinnacle 11s still in like my workout gear. And I'm like, I'm like, yo, like it's freezing cold. Like he's like, yo, uh, I'm like, these are a size eight. I'm like, what size? I can, the guy's maybe like five ten. The guy's not a size eight. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, right. You can tell stature wise. Yeah, I can tell. Right. And I was like, what are you? And I think he said like a nine or nine and a half. And so I was like, yo, take the insole out. You know how like you go always try to compensate to make shit work. <laughs> yeah. He's like, yo, I gotta look fly during the uh, for my New Year's. And I was like, yeah, yo, these are fly, like whatever, whatever, this, that, the other. And then, uh, yeah, I ended up making the money. And, uh, but I mean, true collectors are going to do fucking doesn't matter. It's almost like a smoker. You know what I mean? I, 
I used to smoke for fucking 30 plus years. And my first set of a cigarette in grade three. And it's a thing where if you, well, kids don't smoke. And okay. um, it, it, it's one of those things where rain or shine, it doesn't matter. If there's a fucking hurricane outside, I'm there. I don't yeah. care. You know what I mean? Like, and when we were outside of that lineup, me and Dalton were at that diner across the street eating all day breakfast. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I was like, I was like, yo, we're doing this. I don't give a fuck. You know what I mean? Like, I don't give a fuck who you are. I don't give a fuck who you are. Like, don't try to regulate. Like, I don't know you. You don't know me. This, that, the other. And Dalton was the one who talked me down. He was like, yo, Sean, just let it go. Let it go. And I was like, no, but we ended up getting our pairs. And Dalton was the one who kind of, I guess, convinced me to kind of talk it down. But I mean, my love for Air Maxes, it's it's one of those things where I will always gravitate to Air Maxes. And I slowly been shifting away from Air Maxes, sadly, in the sense of with me being in the game for like, I don't know, like 22 plus years sure, and, yeah. and kind of oh, yeah. seeing, seeing shoes kind of deteriorate, you sort of learn that shoes or anything man-made or synthetic or wherever the case is, mm-hmm. um, wasn't necessarily meant to last the time. And if they do, you're, you're grateful. That's the reason why people in, I want to say, and Rich, you can attest to this and any sort of Jordan collector can attest to this. Like if you look at like dunks or if you look at like Jordan ones and things that have that kind of midsole, those are going to last much longer in comparison to an Air Max, right? Not to Mm -hmm. kind of deviate from the Air Max sort of topic, but when I started to sort of slightly kind of veer off the Air Max sort of train, it's because of the longevity. And even if I were to buy a pair of Air Maxes, I do appreciate what Nike's done recently with regards to the reshaping of the Air Max one, because I think it was that kind of banana boat looking toe where it it just looked jacked up. You know what I mean? It looked looked kind of fucked up. No one really said anything. We still bought the shoes. But like later on, and this is what I appreciate about today's culture is that now we're able to restore, right? Now people are kind of venturing off and, and kind of taking apart midsoles and, and kind of repairing shoes and kind of now there, you can do a bespoke this or bespoke that or wherever the case is. Whereas and a lot of people, because of social media, are sharing that knowledge and it's sort of opening up other people's eyes, right? And I think with regards to uh, Air Maxes, I know one of the new releases, I don't know, I think this is what's going to be for Air Max Day. I can only assume it is, yeah. um, is the new concept uh, Air Max 1. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so that's a great um, collab. Uh, and I'll tell you why. Because... I was fucking with Atmos. I don't remember when. Uh, oh, uh, when I got those Jade Elephants. Yeah. And that's the first time I've ever heard of Atmos. But anyways. Um, yeah. So I was fucking with them since then. But the uh, Atmos, like, the, I know, I say this with all due respect, okay? Like the Bulls, like the Lakers, like fucking the Oakland A's, like anyone that had a fucking sort of rain um, so Atmos for the past few years has had that spot of collabs. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, Nike is finally giving them that shine where, okay, we're going to give, uh, what's it called? Uh, Atmos 
and we're going to put them on that spotlight. So I'm glad to see concept and big ups to like concept from uh, Boston. Um, mm-hmm. I hope I was hoping to see someone like Bodega because Bodega is much older than concept, but right, either way, right, right. it's good to see concept getting um, and sharing that spotlight and seeing their sort of iteration to their Air Max. With regards to the shoe, the quality looks nice. The variation of materials and execution looks to be on point. I mean, I haven't seen it in hand, obviously. Yeah. Packaging but, I mean, too. I think they, they always do great packaging with all their stuff too. So, Right, exactly. And it's one of those companies where if you weren't based in New York or LA and you were based out of Chicago, so big ups to CN Alfred, right? Or mm-hmm. if you weren't in Houston, there used to be some Houston store. I think they were called like Route 66. I can't remember what it was. I forgot back in the day. But I mean, like if you weren't in either an East Coast or West Coast sort of sort of state, I mean, you didn't really get that sort of opportunity. So it's good to see that someone that is in Boston and New York have beef like fucking, you yeah, know what I mean? Like with everything. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, with everything. And so on site. Yeah, on site. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so that's the thing. It's almost like it's good to see a different sort of person step up. And hopefully we get to see more about what concept's gonna bring to the table. I know concepts brought a lot to the table already. Yeah. Um, and they have kind of positioned themselves and um, gotten a good foothold in, in the game and uh, with regards to the industry and stuff like that. So it's really exciting to see uh, this actual shoe in hand. Um, I'm not excited to see the retail or sorry, the resale price of it. Oh, I know. Um, I know. Yeah. Hopefully, you know what? The concept's done pretty good in terms of their drops recently with like the Turduncans. Let's say, take that for example, like just the online drop, you know, doing the deviation site where you're able to cop it online, like bots, you know, they kind of like weed out the bots, right? So hopefully right. the drop goes something like that too. But you're right. I, I do expect that to be the Airbag Stay release. And, you know, I mean, it's crazy that we actually have an Air Max Day. Like when we grew up, Air Max, I mean, how, how old is Air Max Day now? Air Max Day is what, 2015, I want to say, right? The, yeah, the yeah something like that. Yeah, five, six years, maybe. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we actually have a, almost, I, I want to call it like an event now, a celebration for, you know, the sneaker that, or sorry, not a sneaker, but this technology that we love. And, and this line of sneakers and you know to have a shoe that a boutique is now collaborating with to drop on air max day or speculated to drop on air max day i think it's crazy so like does the air max month or air max day have any special meaning to you now that we have the celebration for it yeah it's a great point that you brought up so the thing is is this and just to go back to the concept thing though i'm gonna kind of foresee the future right now and i yeah. don't know if i have that kind of foresight but when shoes get released in baby sizes and kid sizes it's a good sort of indicator or you can use that as a yardstick as to with regards to the quantity that's going to get released that's a very so it's it's one of those things where if you're seeing infant sizes and concepts and they Uh are apparently according to what's online right now um, it's a good sort of understanding of okay this is going to be released in slightly more maybe not tier zero accounts or hyper strike accounts may get it, but maybe your exclusivity or uh, your livestocks and stuff like that. Something that has like a, not a general account, but I mean like a, like Haven has, Haven's the only account in Toronto that has a tier zero account where they would get straight up exclusive hyper strike shit. But when it comes to that, I mean, I think it's going to be a bit more readily available than we actually think. Um, And if you kind of, 
take that as sort of a gauge. You can kind of say, okay, you know what? If it's readily available here, here, and here, okay, resale is not going to be as inflated. And so I think a lot of people are either using their uh, SERB money or their their subsidies money to kind of fucking get whatever they can get, not knowing that they have to pay the government back. But anyways, um, (laughs) yeah, it's, it's one of those things where, and again, going back to Nike being a marketing vessel, it's what they are. It's a good way of boosting your status and, and kind of reclaiming you being the leader in the industry. So I remember the second Air Max day. So Little X is a director from, uh, from Brampton, and he was the protege to Hype Williams. And mm-hmm. Little X has a production company. And my friend was part of that production company. And so my friend did the Air Max launch for, uh, fuck, what was it? Fuck, now it's going to bug me. But long story short, it was basically my friend did the marketing campaign for that. And there was an event and Nike invited you to this secret event in a secret location. Do you remember what I'm talking about? Do, yes. It was like a speakeasy, wasn't it? Yes, 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 yes. That's exactly it. Was it the 270 maybe or the 720s? No, it wasn't that. Oh, now it's really going to annoy me. That day, uh, my buddy was... Cause he did the whole campaign for that. His agency did the whole thing. Yeah. And he sends me a fucking asshole picture of the shoes and the special box on his desk. And I was like, yo, like score me a pair. And I remember, Oh no, it was uh, when the kiss my ears campaign, he did that one. So it's okay. the kiss my ear okay. campaign. So back in the day when I was working at Nike shop, I bought a kiss my ear t-shirt and this is back in, I don't know, like Oh three or something like that. Like, and I still kept it because it was still in good condition. I liked it. It still fits. So, and I took a picture with that, with my air max ones and I posted on Instagram and he replied to my message. He's like, he's like, yo, you don't know how bang on you are. And I didn't understand what he meant. So I call him and I'm like, yo, like, like, what do you mean? He's like, yo, I can't tell you because of it's a secret. It's kind of like uh, everyone had to sign like an NDA to Nike without them releasing any information and it ends up them doing the whole kiss my ear campaign and that shoe was being released and i was trying to get that shoe and i was trying to get my buddy and my buddy was trying to score me that shoe he never ended up scoring me the shoe and he said anyone that had an invite to that sneak easy was able to get a shoe he tried to score me a ticket into there i couldn't get in there was a consolation prize where there was like a nike event on college it was kind of invite only but the fucking shoes weren't there right and so (laughs) i mean (laughs) at the end of the day was uh those are right but yeah i mean going back to air max day it's good to have sort of that sort of solidarity right like-minded individuals that appreciate the culture that are able to spread knowledge just like we are right now uh with regards to an appreciation toward a shoe right and i think a lot of people that did not understand air maxes because air maxes like i said it lived in the shadows of anything that was ball. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We live, we live in North America where ball shoes are basically setting that precedent, right? I mean, everyone wanted a ball shoe regardless of what brand it was. But I mean, when it came to running shoes, it wasn't as highly sought after, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think that's what made it so readily available. And that's, I guess, the reason why I gravitate toward running shoes in comparison to ball shoes, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But I mean, Air Max Day... It's one of those things where just like Canada Day or in the States, they have 
Independence Day. So, I mean, it's one of those things where a group of individuals can celebrate on a particular day and show their appreciation by wearing a pair of Air Maxes or sharing stories of when they camped out or did this and did that. And that's the reason why we're doing this, right? So, yeah, absolutely. And you know what, like Nike, like you said, going back to the marketing, it was their way of almost, you know, combating the boost thing too. Cause back then when Air Max Day started, you know, boost had just blown up. Like, you know, everyone wanted Adidas uh, with boost Yeezys, all that stuff, whatever the case was. So it was almost their way. I want to say to combat that, but you know, the real collectors who uh, have been with Nike, like yourself, since uh, you know day one, seeing the creation evolution of Air Max, you know, can kind of celebrate this and know that it's not going anywhere. You know what I mean? Like Nike Air is not going anywhere. Boost will come and go, whatever the case is. But Nike Air has always been there, and there's a huge history behind it. And that's kind of what we're celebrating. It's not just celebrating a trend or a fad or whatever. Like this is history and all this stuff that you're talking about with your friends activation or you know that campaign that he had like all this stuff has major history behind it and it's kind of like bringing that history amongst all of us like-minded people right so right i know we've had a few instances in toronto where you know we had the air max bus or you know those speakeasy events or sorry they called it like sneakeasy event but you know are there any things that you would like to see nike do for especially like cities like toronto or canadian cities in terms of events for air max day yeah, so before we do that, I just want to say big ups to Adam, for, and that's the one of my buddies uh, that did that activation. But with regards to the future of sneakers, the culture, and what I uh, hope to see in the future with regards to the Air Max Day, I mean, like I said, uh, it's good to see that different sort of brands are coming to light, and Nike is giving them that shine. Um, yeah. I want to see sort of different sort of iterations. I mean, maybe Union can get some shine and we can see what their take is on an Air Max shoe. Um, I love their Air Max 180, by far one of the nicest. Barkley's a great guy, love him as a, <laughs> a player, uh, but I also love his 180s and Union's sort of take to that is also uh, fantastic. But maybe this is just me, but I started to see Nike sort of, and it's, it's I'm very curious to see what they're going to do this year, but I kind of want to see them step up to the plate with regards to corporate social responsibility kind of, right? So like, yeah. um, I know that they did a sort of a conscious thing with regards to the eco and everyone's now kind of using uh, sort of things to uh, uh, composite sort of materials that they recycled and things like that. I mean, yeah. um, that would be nice to see if some of those midsoles that we're seeing right now on, on the newer pairs can be sort of done on uh, new air maxes and things of that nature but yeah. i mean with regards to creativity i mean obviously the the brains and the minds behind everything nike gave them basically a template and gave them a palette and gave the creative direction to basically different brands so they can get their shine and i would like to see ideally maybe livestock can have their own because i mean and rich uh, and one i would like to see i mean the states always have a say as to what the trend is and, and, and even though there's other transcending sort of countries and things of that nature but I would like to see Toronto and I know that we got the sixes and stuff like that but mm -hmm. I would like to see a Canadian boutique also kind of take that stage right if we right. have that opportunity I know Capsule did a the Canadian tuxedo uh, New Balances I, I would like to see that more with relation to like an Air Max shoe right so if Capsule wanted to do like a an Air Max iteration, I would like to see that or livestock or, 
or anyone else. I mean, like, even, you know what I would like to actually see? You know what the fuck I would like to actually see, man? I would like to see, you know how, and then never, I'm going to butcher the name. You know how there's these charity events and it's called the Dom Bucker. Dorm, Dorm Becker? Yeah, Dorm Becker. Yeah, Dorm and Becker. Yeah. yeah. I would like to see some shit like that. Yes. Right? Where there's kids that are basically exact same thing, given a palette, given a template, run with it. Right. Yeah. There was an air, a Nike Air Triax. And I remember seeing one and there was a Snoopy on the side of it. And I was like, that's cool. Never seen Snoopy on a fucking shoe. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, but I would like to see things like that where the money that we're giving this company, it's not only going to, um, I'm, I invest in Nike, but I mean, I would also like to see my money being used in ways where it would benefit excuse me, the community, or it would benefit some sort of charitable event or, or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, I would like to see like more creativity, I guess, and giving other uh, countries, stores, cities, kids, things like that, uh, the opportunity to kind of bring that to light, yeah. right? So I love that. I love that. You know, you're right. Like, and we brought that up in our you know, Black History Month too. Like, you know, BHM sneakers kind of fell off the radar now, but if you gave you know black designers an opportunity to you know design BHM colorways or or things like that, then you know I think it would bring that that line back to life. And maybe same thing with Air Max too, like give shine to either kids or other designers or other stores to collaborate on an Air Max. It doesn't have to be an Air Max one. It doesn't have to be an Air Max ninety. Like do a two seventy, do a three sixty, Air, like, Air Max Plus, like Air Max just, Plus. Yeah, yeah, like there's so many Air Max models, right? Triax, you were saying, right? Like there's so many different Air Max models. Like we always see them do the 95, the 97, the Air Max 1, the 90. Like those are great models. Yeah, I get it. But, you know, there's all these other models too. As Air Max collectors and Air Max lovers that we would love to see iterations or colorways on those two. I want to add one thing. So I would like to see, and I want to add this. So Nas wouldn't be where Nas is if it wasn't for a Canadian group or three quarters of a Canadian group, right? So I'm a big fan of main source. Okay. Big ups to like Kit Cut, Lark mm-hmm. Professor, and yeah, um, Search. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, like, that's a Queen native right there. So, I mean, yes, the thing is, is this I would like to see a hip hop group from Canada. I don't know if this is ever going to happen. I, I hope it does. But, like, and it doesn't have to necessarily be like sort of main source. But a lot of people have to understand that a lot of our culture, a lot of our dressing, a lot of our things that the way that we emulate is from black culture of course right is from Mm hip-hop you can't deny that you cannot Mm -hmm. fucking deny that of course and i would like to see maybe maestro fresh west or cardinal fischel or the rascals or swollen members or i don't know shad case somebody do kind of their iteration of maybe a canadian kind of shoe and that's just the canadian in me but i mean and not just what you're talking about right (laughs) Oh, I don't even know who Drake is, right? So, uh, so, so the Yo, thing, I, I'm a hater. Like I'm a hater. This is why I like this guy, man. So, so this is the thing, right? We always emulate the states. We're we're the little brother of the the states. We have our own sort of take of hip hop, right? A lot of our hip hop, even though it's very Afrocentric, it's also very Caribbean based. You being Jamaican, there's a huge Jamaican population here, a huge West Indian population here, so. A lot of our culture kind of stems from that, right? I grew up mm-hmm. with a lot of West Indians. And even if you look at P-Rock, P-Rock's Jamaican, right? I think Cool Herc is also Jamaican. So, I mean, Work, there's a yeah, lot of, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, a lot of them are actually 
of West Indian descent. And they brought that sort of influence into their own music, which actually a lot of people think that hip hop started with jazz. And I, I understand that part. But when you start to look at boom bap hip hop, there's a difference between boom bap hip hop and like what the so-called Drake is, right? And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a dog. Well, Drake, Drake's or pop man. He's a pop star, man. <laughs> yeah. And there's a huge difference there, right? And so the thing is, is this, I would like to see a hip hop artist from Canada. And I, I think uh, Cardinal's Guyanese, you know what I mean? Um, I know Nas is Guyanese, but I mean, like if, if there's certain West Indian flavor you would like to see in a shoe, I would like to see that in an Air Max. And I remember an Air Force I was, one. Um, just about to say has that. a yeah, West, West Indies, West yeah. Indian, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There was actually a there's dude a that was Indies selling thing. that pair, and uh, just a little bit too much. But yeah, I see those, and I'm like, man, I need to grab those. But yeah, that that West Indian Air Force One, yeah, man, yeah, that would be yeah, dope actually. Sure. Caravan, almost like Caravana, Toronto exactly. Caravana, something like that. That'd be dope. And big ups, big ups to my friend Les because that's what jogged my memory was. Les was one of those guys. He's also an avid collector. He picked up, I think, a pair of uh, those West Indies Air Force Ones. But that is something I would like to see. I would oh. like to see, you know what I mean? Like uh, Air Max Day kind of evolve into that. And just with Nike, regards to yeah. today's, yeah. Nike, I mean, if you're if listening, Nike, if you're listening, yeah. get this man on your creative and marketing team. He's got some ideas, <laughs> yeah. man. <laughs> because the thing is, is this, right? I mean, did the BHM kind of fall off? Did it fall off or was it only, was it meant to sort of strategically? Because the way that you have to think every time that Nike, there's a rhyme and reason for everything that Nike does, right? There's mm-hmm. a strategy to everything, right? So yeah, yeah. was it only supposed to last for a certain amount of time? And then we're going to focus now on something else or wherever the case is. But at the end of the day, everyone's going to have their opportunity to shine. And with regards to the future of uh, sneaker industry and, and collecting, I just hope that this new generation understands that it's not necessarily to make a buck, right? If my parents told me I was going to make a living off of social media and I didn't have to go to college, I didn't have to go to university and fucking work four jobs, then they would have thought I was crazy, right? Uh, We grew up in a different generation where that piece of paper actually meant something. That was Mm -hmm. a fucking passport into the way that your life was going to unfold, right? So I want these kids to sort of understand that just like hip hop, you can tell somebody that has studied hip hop and that has studied sneaker culture in comparison to somebody that is just jumping into it and that is mumbling and rapping about shit. I have no fucking idea what they're talking about. <laughs> <That> mumble um, rap. <laughs> exactly. And, and so there's a huge difference there, right? If you look at, and I give kudos to this kid in rest in peace, uh, Mac Miller. Mac Miller was one of those kids when I first heard him. And I heard him rhyme over Lord Finesse's hip to the game. And he was using the kids movie sort of album cover, whatever, to kind of make his own album cover. This is a kid that studied hip hop. He gave kudos. And so if you're going to get into sneakers, know who Tinker Hatfield is, know who Phil Knight is, mm-hmm. know what Bill Bowerman did as a coach. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And, and know what, how Nike evolved. Everything is about storytelling. Everything's about storytelling. And Nike does just fucking that. They tell a fucking story of, the thing is, is this, you want to know the difference between this and a Yeezy or this in a 4D shoe is because this is not a gimmick. This is going to turn fucking like 30 plus years old. Yeah. And this is going to see 30 more fucking plus years old because this is not a fucking gimmick. This is something that is stood true to what it is. 
right? It's something that has everyone kind of jealous because it was a fucking game changer. Absolutely. Yeah. Right? You can come up with torsion. You can come up with 4D. You can come up with Yeezys. That's cool. That's that's cute, as my friend Dalton would like to say. But, I mean, like, Air Maxes is one of those things that it's proven the test of time. Yes. It, it is what it is, and you can tell the story. So these new kids have to understand what the shoe is, how many PSI this is, right? What this is made of, right? The reason that these are going to deteriorate over time is because it's a, a, a synthetic sort of a polyurethane or whatever the case is, right? So like mm -hmm. over time, but these are the things that I appreciate about today's culture is that these kids are now getting creative, right? Yeah. I'm not a fan of like putting my shoes or my midsoles in coffee stains and shit like that. Um, that always reminded me of my mom putting Vaseline on my fucking oh cheek my gosh, and putting bro. coffee. The, the Vaseline on the face was the worst, man. That shit was yeah, the worst. Yeah, putting coffee beans on your on your cheek and make it look like you have a goatee. I still can't. I'm turning 42. I can't even fucking connect. You know what I mean? So, like, yeah. it's, it's one of those things where, like, know what you're getting yourself into. Appreciate it. And it's not about the money, right? And I understand there's a business aspect to it. But by the same token... Don't pimp out the fucking culture. Yeah. That's exactly what's fucking happening. Yeah. And that's what's driving up the market. And they don't have any qualms with regards to that. You know what I mean? And if this were to happen back in the day, a lot of these dudes would get checked. Do you know what I mean? But a lot of these kids are too soft. 100%. You know what I mean? A lot of the, that shit would not float. That shit would not fucking float. Fists would be flying. These are the same people that if you stepped on their shoe in the club, you're you're going out right there, right? Yeah. So that's what I mean. So like these kids they don't understand that one they're privileged and two that they're pimping out a game and it's not fair for the people that are actual collectors right that's mm -hmm. why i want to kind of stay away from the fucking sneakerhead sort of term sure, and of i would rather be referred to as a collector right just yeah. like a lot of us are so i mean i appreciate this guys i'm so sorry i didn't look at the, i think i looked at the list once and yeah, <laughs> i kind of forgot no but this is but, what it's all about yo, man. like you know, we, we, we literally just shoot the shit and um, yeah, like anyone that's been on our pod before, they know, like we put up questions, but the stories, I can't pull those out of you. You know what I mean? Like that's something yeah. that is in, you know, in your history, in your experience that I can't pull out of you. Right. So I appreciate those stories and I know our listeners will too. Well, I appreciate you guys having me on. And again, if it wasn't for podcasts like this, sharing knowledge with the rest of the community, because we're not only sharing knowledge. But this is obviously a social sort of media thing. So, I mean, like, there's also going to be your listeners that are tuning in that may be new listeners. And I don't want this to kind of deter anyone from getting into the game. I don't want them to think that we're intimidating and that we're going to check them on the street or anything like that, aside from the people that bum rush the line. But anyways, <laughs> the, uh, what I will tell you is this. I want them to actually understand that there is an appreciation for this game. Yep. And that there's actual collectors and we would like for them to be a part of that as well. Right. Of course. Um, but yeah. I want you to talk to me at eye level, right? Don't talk to me at a level where you're talking straight up profit, right? Talk yeah. to me at an eye level of appreciation. And I think that's what all everyone in this podcast is sharing is an appreciation for the same affinity of the Air Max shoe and things of that nature. I yeah. think we're all looking forward to uh, what's to come in the next month, but yeah.
No, I love that. You know what? And and that's and that's kind of where we where we come across is that you know I don't want to I don't want to sound like the person that you know you have to learn about this shoe and you have to know it you know everything about this shoe before you can even be considered you know at my level or an equal to me. But you know everyone's got to start somewhere, and we just sort of like. We just like to kick that knowledge and, you know, going back to that event that I just stood there with you and Faraz and you guys were just spitting knowledge at me and I was just there, you know, absorbing it all. You know, I, I, I've i been, you know, into sneakers for a long time and even still at this point, I'm still learning stuff now. So I think that's just something for the young cats out there or even just people that are just getting into the sneaker game right now is that, you know, there is a huge history behind it. There is a lot of appreciation behind certain models and, um, you know, where all this stuff had, has come from. And it's not just about, like you said, profit and, and, and what's popular and, and what the prices on StockX or, you know, like, uh, you know, that type of shit. So, um, right. I love that. I just want to add one more thing and sorry to kind of drag this on, but I, I apologize. So what I want to kind of add is I think Nike is smart. I think I've already established that, but I think they're smart because, going into this whole like metaverse and nfts and stuff like that yeah um, i just want to kind of like give my two cents on that so anything that any brand does is strategic and they do it for a reason and so i kind of want to say those air max one organ love them love them you know oh, what i mean right 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 pay, pay homage to to oregon and, and and the good people there and uh university of oregon but i think what they're doing, and I don't know if I'm taking a, a page out of their playbook, is I think they're kind of leaving the resale for that and kind of distracting and kind of being like, okay, here. And then so maybe it's not going to increase the sale of other sneaker releases. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. But like I think when it comes to like not physically wearing something, there's something about fucking people smelling shoes and tasting the souls. That's nothing new. You know what I mean? Like Fat Joe didn't invent that. You know what I mean? That's nothing new. You know what I mean? We all, I did that back in not tasting the soul, but like we would always. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's something that I'm not going to lie. Maybe this is a confession. Like, but like (laughs) when we would open the store and we would have to display shoes, like, did we like sniff it? Yeah. hundred percent. We did. You know what I mean? Something about opening a new shoe box did that. So it's one of those things where, I think with regards to the new direction and the trajectory of where Nike is taking this, I don't know if it's going to last. I mean, maybe that's just me being super old school, uh, but obviously really uh, we're moving in fucking like super light speed where everyone's saying the metaverse is the new thing. Uh, And maybe it is, but I mean, I physically as a consumer, that's exactly what a consumer is, right? You're consuming something. I'm not consuming a, Something that's not tangible. I don't want to say not tangible. Uh, something about, that is no, I was, I was like a picture of a, a picture of it, a monkey. It right? has to be tangible for me. I need to be able to yeah. touch it in order for exactly. me to consume it. I can't fucking buy some shit I can't touch. I'm sorry. I just yeah. I can't wrap my head around yeah. that. that. That doesn't make sense to me. And as someone so, who yeah. worked in retail, I feel you, Sean, completely. There's nothing like opening that box and opening like 12 new pairs of Jordans and just opening the box and just like. I mean, that new shoe smell just like waft and be like, yes. All right. Yes. I don't know what it, I don't, I don't know. Cause so, you know, when sometimes you would get that packet in the. Yeah. The little the, um, gel yeah. packet things. Yeah. So I don't know if that's full of crack, but like when I would open a shoe box, like Trevor was saying, yeah, there's something about that smell, but not only that, like when you look at something that is, even though it's man-made and, and it's, 
there's something about holding something brand new. I think it, in, it releases endorphins. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, a gym rat myself. So like when I go to the gym and I'm, I'm lifting weights, that's my outlet. Some people do meditation. Some people do yoga. Some people do fucking mall walk, whatever the case is, whatever floats your boat. But like when I buy something, it's instant gratification. And that's exactly what retailers do. And there's a reason why things are at eye level when you walk into a retail store and there's a rhyme and reason to everything. And I want to see more tangible things. I'm not, I'm not a fan of, of things that are not tangible. So guys, I'm running under 10%, I think. All right. So and, let's, and I, let, let's get in, let's wrap it up. Yeah, let's get we'll, into we'll, outs, yeah. outros. Sorry yeah. about that guys. Sorry about that. No, 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 yeah, all good. This shit, this shit has been great, man. Honestly, yeah. I generally appreciated the stories. Like the shit was amazing. So just, just to put it out there. Don't yeah. feel as if you ran off. You did yeah. not. We're being quiet because we're listening. We're listening. Like, we're listening to what you have to say. Like they were yeah. great stories. So okay. Yeah, man. But everyone Appreciate check you. out that UMC. Yeah, so check out the UMC Blue Cheese album and you'll see Air Max 90 hotlines. Uh, They're okay. both wearing it. Yo, it's a dope cover. It's a dope cover. UMC Blue Cheese. Look it up. Yeah. All right. All right let's well, Sean, yeah, listen, let's man. I appreciate everything, like the stories. Your insight, like just everything about this whole episode has been awesome, especially for Air Max Month. So appreciate you jumping on. And uh, I guess, yeah, we can we can end off with some shout outs. Uh, if anyone's got shout outs. I can kick off. Yeah. <laughs> I'm always the one who, who does the shout out for, I guess. Sean, appreciate you, man. Honestly, like, yo, this was very entertaining. I, I'm not fucking blown smoke up your ass. Like, yeah. this, was very, this was very entertaining. Honestly, it's like a breath of fresh air. Salute to all our guests that come on, but it's it's always nice when we get people on that that come in and just gives us these stories. Um, I just keep it real, you know. What I mean? No, hundred percent. Like it's and, it, and it's very organic. It's very yo. That's why I said to you, I said yo, come on, just fucking talk, man. Like this, this is what it is. Um, so honestly, I appreciate you, man. And the stories were amazing. The chats, the insight, everything, man. Like it, it's f- super fucking dope. That that's all I gotta say, man. So I, I appreciate you. Thank you for coming on. Um, this is this has been a blast. Also, too, I want to give a shout out to um, the boys over at Omnis. Those are my guys. And honestly, Sean, it ties into kind of what you were saying. Uh, shout out to Omnis, man. These you know guys, owners of the shop, younger guys right. into a lot of vintage yep. shit. But they're very receptive to learning. You know, I'll go into the shop and I'm just kind of talking to them. You know about shit like you know sneakers. They not may not necessarily know. But they're receiving right, right. that, right? Like, and I could appreciate right. that. Like, younger guys, guys who are getting into the game, if they're receptive to learning, and I always say we have a due diligence to, to teach. kick that, to teach. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you say, you attribute it to our parents. There's things, you know, my mom didn't teach me, but I'm teaching my kids. You know what I'm saying? Right. So it's like, you have to kind of break that cycle. You ha- you kind of have to, we can't be those, you know, old, grumpy old men and nah, y'all don't know shit. No. I'm always open to those conversations and just kind of teaching them. And I love when those younger generation kids, they're receptive to that shit. Because, yo, that's the foundation. I was looking at, this is where it came from. You look at music, like you said, there's a mm-hmm. foundation. Even before us, you know what I mean? Like music mm-hmm. started way before us. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So it's like, you need to know that foundation to keep it going. So I always look at it as as an opportunity for people, you know, guys who are younger, weren't really necessarily around with sneakers, or some of the shoes that came out and just kind of kicking that knowledge. And I love when they receive it and they just ask. Because to me, it's like, that's how you're going to learn. That's how you're going to progress. And as I yep. said, for us who have been in the game for a while, we have a due diligence 
to teach that shit as opposed to being sure. like, you know, assholes or like, you know, fuck you, y- y'all are young, y'all don't know shit. No, we're here to teach, man. So mm-hmm. salute yeah. to Omnis. Every time I go on, we always chop it up and they're always asking me shit, you know, sneakers, music. So it's just right. nice to have those conversations with them, man. So just yeah. tying into that, that there are a lot of young cats out there who generally want to learn mm-hmm. um, yeah. and who generally receive the information that we're giving them. And as I said, I think we have a due diligence to do that. You know, exactly. we got to teach one, you know what I'm saying? Because then they can teach the, the ones coming after them. Mm-hmm. So that's how. Well, that's the only way that it's going to progress, right? And I agree with that and I appreciate. And I've heard of Omnis before too. I've only been to Hamilton a few times. Uh, one time I slept in a TD Bank vestibule. Um, at a <laughs> but anyways, that was during my university days. But long story short, us as humans, we're always going to learn, right? No one's ever going to stop learning. When you look at Mike Tyson, when he was in prison, he learned, right? Mm-hmm. All he did was read and all you're going to do is read. So like, you're never going to stop learning things. It is our due diligence to pass this knowledge along if we want to see this culture keep on growing, Progress, right? 100%. Um, so we are grateful for li- living in the golden era, right? So like we took a lot for granted that we never knew that if I knew vintage shit was uh, going to be still in style, I would have told my mom, like, take off my Carl Kanai t-shirt or, or take <laughs> off my Woo Wear t-shirt, you know what I mean? That you're cooking and sleeping in, right? So I mean, like, th- there's, there's certain things that we took for granted, but we also have to tell the younger generation, look, this is how it was, you know what I mean? Mm. And you can take this and then do kind of what you do, you know what I mean? Yeah. Do your TikTok thing or do whatever you want to do. But like, this is how it started. And as long as you give me props and you pay homage to the people before you, yeah, there um, you go. because it, if it wasn't for the people before you, you wouldn't have yeah, spitting this knowledge. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Don't front like you know it. You know what I mean? You were not even fucking conceived even in that born. era. Exactly. Born. Right. So don't even front. Right. So it, it's, it's really good that uh, you're passing that along. All right. Any, other, any other shout outs? I'm good. Is it Kev? Anyone? Sweet. Yeah. One. Okay. I just no. want to shout out like Trav, Juan, yeah. Kevin, and, and Rich for having me on again. You guys are teachers, right? So you guys are like the KRS of this whole thing and you are teaching <laughs> the rest of everyone. You part of that too, what bro. Like. You part of that too, No, hundred percent. hundred percent. We have to do that. Right. I mean, if we want to see this continually grow, this is, we kind of help shape not only this, but we also are able to kind of give direction as to where this is going to go. Right. Because these kids are fucking basically emulating us just like mm-hmm. we emulated whoever was on the source of rap pages, fucking 100%. magazines. You know what I mean? Yeah. 100%. Absolutely. Sean, All right. I, know I know your battery is about to run out. So thanks for joining us. Appreciate you. So Sean <laughs> is going to be back next week and we're going to have an Air Max panel episode. So Sean will be joining us next week for that panel. So make sure you stay Alrighty. tuned for that. Alrighty. As always, you can find us on Instagram at InKicksWeTrust. Make sure you use the hashtag InKicksWeTrust for a potential future. I am Trevor Fernandez, and you can find me on Instagram at Trevsky63. Kev, where can they find you? you can find me on Instagram, Kevin K. Man. Juan. Sorry, Juan. I, I said it. It was just on, I was on mute. Uh, you can find our friend Kali at uh, Hollywood Life on Instagram. But if you're going to look for me, it's Instagram 321. Like I said, you could always hit me up about traveling kicks, mainly Jordan ones, but everything's free game. Shout out to Juan for consolidating two shout outs into one. Good job. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Rich, where can they find you? Uh, you find me on IG, man. Grill status 13. And Sean, where can they find you? 
Uncle Sean Sneakers. So that's uh, U-N-K-L-E-S. Sean spelled the right way, S-E-A-N. And then Sneakers spelled like the app. So S-N-K-R-S, all one word. Sean, man, thank you so much for being here. Appreciate all the stories. Appreciate you, man. We will see you next week for the panel episodes. Guys, everyone stay safe and be well. We'll see you all next week.